0: Thanks for joining me this week. We are going to be looking at Job. Now, I know Job is thrown around a lot as someone, you know, a patient man or someone all these things happen to. And I, I think we hear so much about Job that we tend to kind of dismiss the story. But I I'll tell you, I received so much new revelation that was so encouraging to me as I was studying Job for this podcast from the perspective of a parent who's had a child die. And I was trying to keep it condensed enough for this one episode, but it's just too good to cram into just one recording. So this week, we're going to start by looking at Job. We're going to look just a little bit at his wife, and then next week, we're going to look at his so-called friends. They're called Job's comforters a lot of times, and we're going to look at God's response to all of it, and we'll put it all together, hopefully in a way that speaks to you and brings encouragement to you like it did to me, and hope and light to help lift some of the heaviness in your soul after the death of your own child. Looking at Job is looking at someone who can identify with our suffering in the face of when it doesn't make sense, especially if we have held up our end and been a good Christian and done everything right on our end. When our child dies, many of us immediately discover that our religious theology, our beliefs in who we thought God was and how all this Christian stuff works, it just no longer holds up many of us are angry at God. We demand he explain himself and tell us why he allowed our child to die before we did. And Job was in that same situation. We know he had a heart for his kids. He had seven sons and three daughters because his children were known for gathering at each other's houses to party for their birthdays. This is what it says. And every time they did, when they were done with their festivities, Job would arrange for them to be purified and he would make sacrifices for each one of them in case during this partying time, now that would have been 10 parties a year with 10 kids, that's a lot. So he would make sacrifices for each one of them in case they had sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And to me, that sounds a lot like what we have done for our kids as far as praying for them. We pray for God's protection on them. We pray for them to receive salvation at an early age and for them to know God and to serve him. And and it's like Job had the same heart for his kids. But then one day job lost all 10 of his children in one blow literally one blow because a big wind came up they were having one of these birthday parties they were all there and a big wind came up and the house collapsed on all of them and everybody died one blow and not only that on the exact same day job lost all of his wealth and his finances and then a little bit later he lost his health as he got a disease with big, painful boils all over his skin. And I know that some of us have also had horrible things hit us, either right before or right after the death of our child. I know we did. I went through a a few things that happened after our daughter Becca died that just left me reeling and we'd gone through some pretty heavy things before actually and it, and it just leaves you reeling with how much is enough and i remember i even had someone a pastor actually at one point say how much can one family take and and so i know some of you have experienced this as well and it can cause us to question god even more because it's like wasn't the death of my child enough we all understand the pain of grief experienced by Job and his wife in losing a child. And as parents, we may have a lot of those why questions for God after our loss, just like Job did. And these are normal, typical questions that come into our minds. And I think it's great that God, that this is in the Bible, so that we know that These questions are normal, wanting God to tell us why. What is going on here? So the story of Job is helpful for understanding our deep, dark grief that came from the death of our child and to find out God's perspective on all of it. Most of us know that what happened to Job happened because Satan came to God and it was like God almost presented Job to him I want to read this in uh, the first chapter of Job I'm just going to read uh, verses six and eight it says one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them the Lord said to Satan where have you come from Satan answered the Lord from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it kind of like well I was just checking things out on earth Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. I'm going to share more about this exchange later in next week's podcast. And I hope you stick with me and you join me again next week because there's something pretty amazing here I discovered as I spent time studying this. But I just want you to realize where this came from. Now, when all of this happened to Job his theology was definitely tested what he believed about god being true and righteous and here's where i think it gets really interesting we read his very first response in the first chapter of job verses 20 to 22 and i want to read that He says, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. And we're going to start unpacking a lot of this today. But I want to say some of us were like this when our child died. I was one of those. I drew on God's strength. When Becca died, I spoke at my daughter's funeral, sharing encouraging scriptures that were an anchor to me in those first few days between her death and the funeral. It was like five days in there. And and I was a lot like that. I just had this strength in me. I don't know. Well, I know where it came from. It came from God. Okay. But after he makes this declaration here, we see Job go back and forth struggling with questioning God and standing firm in his belief that God is righteous and good. And I'm going to read, I'm just going to run through some of these scriptures really quick because I want you to see that Job struggles the same way a lot of us struggle. So in chapter three, Job says, why didn't I perish when I was born? I would be at peace right now. Verse 21 in chapter three, why doesn't death come for those who long for it? Down in verse 25, he says, what I have feared has come upon me, what I dreaded has happened. Okay, I'll just stop right there and say, if you're like me, one of the things that I used to think was, okay, I've been through this and this and this, and they were all really bad. I mean, they were, I've been through a lot of deep, dark things in my life, but at least I've never lost a child. I mean, that's something that we kind of all feel like that's the worst of the worst that could happen. And then it happens. And that's what Job is saying. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened. I want to go to chapter six, and I'm just going to run through a whole, I'm just going to, you just need to hear this, okay? Just some of this back and forth. Job says, if only my anguish could be weighed and all my misery be placed on the scales, it would surely outweigh the sand of the seas. Don't you feel that way? Yeah. Uh, He says, Oh, that I might have my request that God would grant what I hope for that God would be willing to crush me to let loose his hand and cut off my life. He says, What strength do I have that I should still hope what prospects that I should be patient? I'm going to run over in chapter seven, I have been allotted months of futility and the nights of misery have been assigned to me. When I lie down, I think how long before I get up, the nights drag on and I toss and I turn until dawn. He says, "When I think my bed will comfort me and my couch will ease my complaint, even then you frighten me with dreams and terrify me with visions, so that I prefer strangling and death rather than this body of mine." I, this is this is raw and real, isn't it? I mean, here you have Job at the very beginning saying, <laughs> "Wow, you know, God's my strength, and and blessed be the name of the Lord." He's, you know, I I praise him, and now. Look at his struggle. Look at how big his struggle is. He goes on, here's a a scripture. If I've sinned, what have I done to you, you who watch over us all? Why have you made me your target? Have I become a burden to you? Yeah. Why do you not pardon my offenses and forgive my sins? For I will soon lie down in the dust, and you will search for me, but I'll be no more. It's just amazing to me the struggle that Job has. But then here's the other side of things. One of the things that Job says in chapter 19, he says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Mm, Wow. Then in chapter 23, starting with verse 10. Job says that he knows the way I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. And then he goes on to say that God does whatever he pleases. And that's why I'm terrified of him. I'm telling you, I don't know if you've ever seen this before. But you know we, we hear about that whole the beginning verse where Job was, you know, adamant about blessing the Lord and But there was a struggle, there was a huge struggle that Job went through. And in chapter 28, almost the whole chapter is Job reminding us that in the depths of the darkness come some of the most valuable things on earth. And I think by looking at all this, it's pretty clear that Job wants some answers And he's also pretty convinced that there is nothing he has done on his end to bring these horrible tragedies on his life. And I want to assure you that you haven't either, because I know, I hear from some of you that you struggle with, is God punishing me for something I did? And I want to tell you, no, that is not the case. Now, how can I say that? I don't even know what's in your past. Because in Job 9.13, he says, if only there was someone to arbitrate between us. Now, Job didn't have that, but you do. And his name is Jesus. If you have received the gift of salvation through the work on the cross, every single sin that you have ever done is under the blood. It has been forgiven. You have been washed clean of it. He paid the price for your guilt and your shame of it. And a lot of us still hang on to the guilt and the shame. Even though we've been forgiven that guilt and that shame, God's forgiven us, but we can't forgive ourselves. Isn't that true? So there is no way, there is absolutely no way that God is punishing you for something you did in your past because it is all forgiven already. It is all under the blood. Any future sin, when Jesus died, we hadn't even been born yet. So every sin of our entire life is under the blood. So there is no way that you are being punished for something that you did in your past. And the Bible also tells us that Jesus is in the throne room interceding for you on your behalf. See, we have someone to arbitrate between us. So when your child died, it had nothing to do with anything in your past. I think what seems to bother Job the most is how alone he feels and how alienated he feels even from God. And I just want to bring up just the little thought here that Jesus experienced that also on the cross. I know there are times I have felt that, but Jesus himself, when he cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I don't think that's what happened. I know we talk about how God turned his back on Jesus because he couldn't look on the sin and, and all of that. But then how could Satan come to the throne room? I I believe it's our guilt and our shame that separate us from God. God came down into the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. He didn't stand up there and say, I'm such a holy God and you've sinned and now I can't come down. We're separated. We'll never be able to be together until, until I make this right. He came down into the garden looking for Adam and Eve. So I don't believe, even scripturally, it's not our sin that separates us from God. It's our guilt and our shame. It's on our end. He did everything he possibly could to make everything right so that we don't have to experience that aloneness and alienation from God. It's, it's on our end. Jesus was quoting something David said in the Psalms my god why have you forsaken me and so i don't think that god actually forsook him i think jesus couldn't feel his presence for the first time ever because of the guilt and the shame that he was carrying on our behalf so anyway hopefully that helps someone so what i was saying is i i really do think that what bothered job the most is how alienated he felt from god at that point in his life and in all of his complaints and his pain and his confusion. It is interesting that he doesn't turn his back on God. He falsely accuses God for causing this because he thinks God did this. Now stop and think about this. God did not do any of this. Satan did it. And a lot of times we blame God for something when it's not God. Now I understand that he lifted his hand of protection off of Job and that's something we're going to talk about next week and we're really going to get into that. But even when Job falsely accuses God for causing everything that happened, he still knows that even within all of what he's going through, there's something in him that knows that God's the only one who can give him hope of any kind of restoration and not necessarily the restoration of God's gifts as such but for restoration a sign that he still has God's favor in his life. And and there's a lot to unpack in that as well that we'll talk about next week. But so much of our pain is because I think we have a hard time seeing any perspective except our own. We're so rightfully so blinded our grief is all consuming. And and all we can see, all we can feel the only thing that is in front of us is the painful earthly loss of our child. And thankfully, we have a lot of examples in the Bible besides Job who were given an assignment by God or they had a painful tragedy happen that made absolutely no sense to them. And the thing is, when we read about them in the Bible and these are historical accounts. They're not just like we call them Bible stories, and I think we forget the reality. These were real people that had these things actually happen to them. And as we read about them in the Bible, it's easy for us to have a twenty twenty vision. We can see what God is doing, we can see the story, we can see what God is doing in their lives and, and how it helps us and we can see how God took whatever it was that that happened or that he asked them to do that it just we can see it. But think about the person who was actually living it it couldn't have been easy for them because they didn't have god's perspective they didn't have the wise like we can read about it and we know the wise we can we read it from god's perspective really i'm i'm thinking about people like abraham being told by god to offer his only son isaac as a sacrifice i mean isaac was god's promised heir and it took years before Isaac was born before God made good on that promise and now God's telling him to sacrifice him like like the pagans do it's like wow that's just mind boggling but Abraham did it trusting God in that but it couldn't have been easy and we read the whole story and we know the beginning from the end but Abraham didn't know that and I know he he tells Isaac you know God will provide but wow i mean that's just crazy when you think about that how about gideon he had to face hundreds of thousands of the enemy's army with only 300 men god cut gideon's army down god's army to only 300 men and they were armed with a torch inside of a pitcher and a horn to blow wow thanks god you're sending me into battle with this I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? We, like I said, we read the whole story. We see the beginning from the end. We see what God was doing and it's a great story and we can learn from it. But wow, think about Gideon in the middle of that. He didn't know the end. He didn't know what God was doing fully. How about Moses being asked to confront Pharaoh and everything that happened there and being asked to lead over a million complaining, ungrateful slaves into the promises of god that that had to have been hard for moses and he didn't get to see the end of that all he had were the promises of god that he was trying to do his best to walk out last week we talked about mary the mother of jesus who accepted the assignment as a as a girl being a a a woman out of wedlock pregnant the shame that came with it the possible stoning and then when Jesus was circumcised taken to the temple for his dedication and his circumcision i mean she had a prophetic word over her that a sword was going to pierce her heart also she didn't see the full story like we do she was living in it what about apostle paul wow all the all the things that he went through he lists them all stoning left for dead what twice shipwrecked i mean just all kinds of crazy things painful, hurtful things. I mean, there are so many examples that we have in the Bible. People who went through traumatic things, and they didn't see, they were living it out, just like we're living it out. We can't see what God is doing. We can't see why God allowed it. We we don't understand it. And neither did these people as they were going through it. Somehow, through everything Job was going through, though, he was able to continue to trust God. And he didn't have a Bible to read. He didn't have all these other people to lean on. Even though Job didn't understand what was happening, he still continued to trust God. He questioned God. He (laughs) accused God. But he still was unwilling to walk away from God. And this is not to put guilt on any of you if this is an area you're struggling in. Do not feel guilty if you're struggling here, okay? That's why we're talking about this. It's okay to be wherever you are in your grief journey. Let's spend just a few minutes talking about Job's wife here. She is most famous for her line of telling Job to curse God and die. When most people look at this, It isn't through the eyes of someone who has experienced the death of their child, much less all of their children at once. So I kind of feel like Job's wife is pretty much hung out to dry by the people who read about her and preach sermons about her. Most of you listening are moms who have lost your child. We don't have very many men that reach out for help after the death of their child. And I want to say that's pretty typical our husbands, most of them are a bit more, I'll call it practical, about their grief. They may bury themselves in their work or TV. They don't want to talk about it. If they do cry, it's not around us. And I want to say there are good and valid reasons for this, and I'm, I'm not going to get into that here. But us moms are much more emotional about our loss and the pain that we're in. And we don't care who sees us that way. I know for me, I had some pretty emotional Facebook posts that made Dave, my husband, pretty uncomfortable when he would see them out there. I wasn't one who got angry and blamed God for what happened to my daughter, Becca. But I, I'll be really honest here. And I'm going to say, I don't know how I would have been if I had lost all five of my children at the same time. I, I can't, I can't even, I, I mean, I, I tear up just thinking about that, how horrible that would be, wouldn't it? To lose all of your children at once. And I know there are a few people that haven't. I just, I can't, I can't fathom that. Or those of you who, who have one child and that one child is now gone. I just, I'm so sorry. I don't know what that's like. And I, knowing how common it is to have that struggle of being angry at god for allowing the death of of your child i can understand the response that job's wife had at job who was refusing to be angry at god about this and blame him for it i think job's wife was really having a hard time with her husband's blind acceptance of the tragedies that happened to them. It happened to both of them, not just Job. And it could be some of that, the differences between the way men grieve and women grieve. See, so she was also a victim of what Satan had done to their family and to their finances and to her husband's health. Now, they didn't know that's what had happened, but it affected her also. And it seems her view is that her husband, remaining devoted to God, was a cop out, and that he should challenge God, even if the consequence of that was his own death? And I think too, you you look at these boils he had and how miserable he must have been. It almost seems like curse God and die, just be done with this miserable life. And I I can't imagine what if what if God had honored that? Uh, what? Uh, oh my goodness, I can't imagine everything, and now her husband too. Her statement was obviously made from a place of very deep grief, and what she threw out at him, the words were, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. And his answer to her was, shall we accept just good from God and not trouble? And my question was, did that make her fume even more? Well, we don't know for sure. I want to quote a friend of mine, Dr. Doug Jensen, something that I heard him share and I asked if I could have his notes. I'm going to read the notes here. Job did not see any point in blaming God. All it did for his wife was make her bitter toward God and toward him and perhaps other people as well. Job knew rejecting God would not help. After all, he knew all his blessings were from God. If he was to be blessed again in life at some point, the future blessings would come from God. So, rejecting and cursing God would not be helpful. Instead, job adopted a different perspective. Perspective is so important, and I know it's hard, especially we're in the beginning of that darkness of grief. And when I say beginning, I mean I'm talking months, the first year, the first couple of years, even that the the grief, the darkness of the grief can just suck us under and consume us. And we don't have a choice. We're just trying to survive. But within that, trying to survive this, just know that God is the one that blessed you with your children, including your child that died, that your child that's with him right now, safe in his arms, full of glory, fully healed, no dealing with all the... St- Stuff in this world that we're still dealing with. And God still has blessings for you. God still wants to bless your life with good things. And I know it's so hard for us to imagine that. That's impossible without my child here. But it's not impossible. God specializes in restoration. God specializes in bringing life from death, including our own death. After our child dies, we feel like we died and we don't want to be here anymore. But God still has blessings for you. And he wants to bring restoration and healing to your soul, to your heart, to your life, so that you can not just survive and get through this and live as a shell, just waiting to die, but to bless you in a way where you can thrive again. And I know it might seem impossible, but it's not. It's not. And it's not betraying your child to want to receive the blessings from God. I know for me, I remember that story about Jacob wrestling with the angel and how Jacob told God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And I I took that. I I began telling God that myself. God, I'm wrestling with you over this. I don't understand it. It makes no sense. I don't want to be here anymore. I just want to go to be with Becca and with you. I want to be done here. But God, if I have to be here, I'm going to wrestle with you. And I am not going to let go until I see blessings in my life again. And especially that I see blessings that are still coming to me because of Becca's life. I don't want to stay stuck in her death. I want to live in a way that honors her and honors her life. So, this is where I'm going to stop. I'm going to pick it up next week, but I do want to wrap this episode up with a couple of things you can be thinking about in the meantime. We're already at uh, about half an hour here, 30 minutes, so you can see why I split this in half. In Hebrews chapter 11, a lot of us, we know it as the faith chapter or the hall of faith, and it goes through all these people, verse after verse after verse, person after person, who by faith received the promises of God through their trials and through the tragedies that happened, that they received their promise. But at the end of that chapter, sometimes we don't notice this or pay attention to it, or maybe this is new to you. That faith chapter ends with these words, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So a lot of them receive promises here on earth, but there's a final promise that's still coming, right? It's hard for us to hear that we may not receive the promises that we want to receive. We may not get what we want here on earth. We know that God restored Job's life here on this earth, but that isn't always the case. I want to end by Job's final response, which was really amazing. And in the last chapter of Job, this is what Job told God, I know that you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted or withheld from you. God has a purpose. God has a plan. And Satan cannot take that from him, which means he cannot take it from you. You are still in safe hands. You are still valuable. There's still a purpose for your life. And it may not seem like it, it may not feel like it, but it's, it's the case. I'm telling you, I'm encouraging you with that. And it's not in spite of your child's death, but it's because of his or her life. So I hope you join me next week. We're going to really dig into some of this some more. And before I go on to the birthdays, I want to share something with you real quick. I was just talking about being valuable. I want to make sure that you know about something coming up in a few days on april 25th this saturday at 4 p.m we're going to have our pearls of hope pearls of hope is something that we do we open oysters for the pearls inside as a symbol of the value that you have because of your child's life. It's a symbol of hope that we have that God can take something as horrific as the death of our child and still bring beauty and value into our lives. And like I just said, not in spite of our child's death, but because of his or her life. So we open Oysters and every once in a while we just, we, we have them in our store, and we do them as people order them. But sometimes we just like to do an on live, encourage people to order them, and we just open a bunch of them. So I'd love for you to be a part of that. If you want to find out more of the details about why we are doing it and how it works, go to gpshope.org slash pearls. We're running a special. Becca's birthday was April 13th, so you can see that at pearls.gpshope.org. So I'll have both of those links into the show notes. You can check them out there or go to our YouTube channel, GPS Hope, and look for Pearls of Hope. And that will explain it also. I really, really hope you join us. Even if you don't get an oyster, join us. It's a lot of fun. And even just watching can remind you that God really can bring beauty from the ashes of our lives. So let's go ahead and I'll share the birthdays we have this week. First of all, I have Adam Sharp, who was born on April 21st and is forever 19. Christopher Schoffer was born on April 21st also and is forever 25. And then we have Abigail Jane, known as Abby, who was born on April 25th and she is forever 18 months we celebrate with these families the day that these special children came into the world and into their lives, and we just rejoice with you that they were in your family and also that we'll be together again with them. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced to the listeners, just go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. There's a form there. Fill it out. Submit it, and I will add your child who is no longer here with us on earth to the birthday list and we will celebrate with you the day of your child's birthday i would love to hear from you if there was something you were able to take away from this episode about job you can leave it in the comments below or if you have a question leave that in the comments below too of this podcast in the show notes. And I hope you join me next week as we continue looking at the book of Job, specifically through the eyes of a parent who's lost a child, especially as we draw some pretty powerful conclusions in this book. They aren't religious things that will keep you in bondage, but they are things that will set you free. So until we're together again next week, remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.